The Hamlet Podcast, episode 162. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hanrity. At the dramatic conclusion of the last episode, Hamlet was baiting Laertes, wondering what plans he might have to outdo him in grief. Having asked whether Laertes plans to whine or drink vinegar or eat a crocodile, Hamlet continues... Be buried quick with her, and so will I. And if thou prate of mountains, let them throw millions of acres on us, till our ground, singeing his pate against the burning zone, make ossa like a wart. Nay, and thou mouth, I'll rant as well as thou. This rather weird competition continues. Hamlet is saying, if you're going to be buried alive with her, that's fine. I will join you be buried quick with her and so will I. And, he says, if you want to boast about mountains, sure, let them throw millions of acres on us until the pile of dirt that buries us is so high that the top of it reaches close enough to the sun for it to get scorched. Let the huge mountain they'll pile up be so big that it will make Ossa seem like a wart. If thou prate of mountains, let them throw millions of acres on us, till our ground, singeing his pate against the burning zone, make Ossa like a wart. By mentioning Ossa, Hamlet is further outdoing his opponent. Laertes had shouted for them to pile the dust on the quick and the dead, and to make a mountain of the flat, to overtop Mount Pelion. This image comes from the myth of the Titans stacking mountains as they attempt to attack Mount Olympus. They actually stacked Mount Ossa on top of Mount Pelion. Here, in another obscure reference, Hamlet outdoes Laertes' image by reducing Mount Ossa to a wart. The idea of what the number a million means seems much more conceivable to us today. Money and real estate and sports stars, not to mention musicians, have brought the idea of what a million might be into our imaginations. But for Shakespeare, it's an impossibly extravagant number. 40,000 was huge enough earlier in this scene, but a million is a fantasy number. Indeed, of the various instances when he uses the word, in ten other plays apart from Hamlet, it is only Shylock who speaks about a million of anything in a real or tangible way. Hardly surprising, I suppose. For Hamlet, here, it's an insane number. Indeed, the whole speech is excessive and explosive. He finishes with a final challenge. Nay, and thou mouth, I'll rant as well as thou. However much noise Laertes thinks he might make, Hamlet will match him. In fact, Laertes doesn't even have a response. He may still have Ophelia's corpse in his arms, let us not forget, and he's still stunned by grief. Gertrude tries to intervene, picking up the second half of a line of verse. This is mere madness, and thus a while the fit will work on him, anon as patient as the female dove, when that her golden couplets are disclosed, his silence will sit drooping. Some texts give this speech to Claudius, but the consensus seems quite clear that it's Gertrude who should have it. Earlier in the play she told Claudius that Hamlet had gone to remove Polonius's body. Hamlet o'er whom his very madness, like some ore, among a mineral of metal's base, shows itself pure. 
even though Hamlet had very clearly explained to her during that scene that he was not mad. Is she covering for him again now? Does she have a sense that perhaps Claudius and Laertes are in league and that it would be better to explain away Hamlet's outburst with this repeated image and this story of madness? It was pure madness before, but it's mere madness now. Almost like she's dismissing it as an explanation. Like Julius Caesar and later Othello, she says the fit will work on him a while, but then it will pass. She uses a very delicate image of a female dove sitting silently and quiet as her golden chicks hatch from their eggs. It's a calm image that seems to come from nowhere, but maybe, maybe there's a slight echo of Hamlet himself earlier in the play, worrying that he is pigeon-livered and lacks gall. Now, Gertrude didn't hear that speech, but it might nonetheless calm Hamlet a little. He shifts tone completely now and speaks again to Laertes. Hear you, sir. What is the reason that you use me thus? I loved you ever. But it is no matter. Let Hercules himself do what he may. The cat will mew and dog will have his day. There's room here for the performer playing Laertes to have done some damage, as well as putting his hand on Hamlet's throat, there's a sense that the prince is reeling from a punch or a scratch. He asks why Laertes has attacked him so. What is the reason that you use me thus? I loved you ever, he says. No more than Ophelia, we can assume that Hamlet and Laertes grew up in close proximity in this court. Hamlet doesn't seem too intent on acknowledging that he killed Polonius, nor does he feel any responsibility for what happened to Ophelia. He's surprised at Laertes' antagonism, but chooses to walk away. It is no matter, he says. A slight nihilism is perhaps creeping in, and Hamlet has a rhyming couplet before he leaves the scene. Let Hercules himself do what he may. The cat will mew, and dog will have his day. Hercules has already appeared numerous times as an example of a great man, a mythological hero. After all of this hyperbole, it's fitting that he gets another nod here, Hamlet saying, let even the greatest hero intervene, it won't matter. There's a reckoning now that will have to play out between him and Laertes. Hamlet exits, and Claudius encourages Horatio to go after him. I pray you, good Horatio wait upon him. It's interesting that it's not anyone on Claudius's payroll that he sends after the prince, but then Hamlet is back and will presumably be staying in the palace, so it won't be too hard to keep tabs on him. As Horatio exits, Claudius turns to Laertes. Strengthen your patience in our last night's speech. We'll put the matter to the present push. Good Gertrude, set some watch over your son. This grave shall have a living monument. An hour of quiet shortly shall we see. Till then, in patience, our proceeding be. Claudius has barely spoken in this scene, but now we see as usual that he's been watching, planning, calculating the most expedient next move. He speaks first to Laertes, encouraging him not to forget what they were talking about before news of Ophelia's death interrupted their plotting. Be patient, he's saying. They're going to stick to the plan, and indeed get it moving right away after this most recent episode. 
This may be an aside, since Gertrude can't know of what they're planning. She's addressed next, as he tells her to set some watch over her son. Keep an eye on him, he's saying, perhaps returning to his performance of concerned but loving uncle, if there's anyone left who's fooled by that, of course. He concludes rather awkwardly, saying that Ophelia's grave shall be a living monument. The suggestion is that even though she's gone, her memory will be kept alive in the maintenance of her grave site. This could be that they light a candle on it or some kind of eternal flame. But considering how quickly and secretly her father was buried, and, of course, the maimed rites of her own funeral, we probably shouldn't believe this very much. The king concludes with the encouragement for them all to be patient, that the quiet they need for their plans will soon be upon them. An hour of quiet shortly shall we see, till then in patience our proceeding be. And with that, everyone exits. I have to confess it's hit me like a ton of bricks, dear listeners, that this is the end of Act 5, Scene 1, and that the next scene of the play is the last. It is another very long scene, mind you, and it will stretch out over 20 episodes, but the countdown to the end is upon us. Thank you, as always, for tuning in, and I hope you're geared up and ready to come with me for this last lap. I won't call it a race to the finish line, since we'll savour every word and every line until the end. In the meantime, as you know well by now, there are show notes to accompany this episode on the website, thehamletpodcast.com, and there'll be a bonus episode to follow this one, marking the conclusion of another scene. Stay safe, mind yourselves, and I'll speak to you next time.